Women, they've been everywhere lately. The news, the papers, the streets. The 21st century has been highlighted with women taking down barriers in many aspects, taking on new roles and changing the way they are viewed in society. And today, I'm here to tell you how Lebanese women have managed to do the same, all the while being part of protests to take down a corrupt government. This podcast will include snippets of an interview I had with the wonderful Mona Fawaz, a professor of urban studies and planning at the American University of Beirut for the last 15 years. She started a research center with colleagues to produce knowledge from and about the region to try and influence public policy and create a more humane and inclusive society. Her knowledge as both an academic and a Lebanese woman will help us put in perspective the true role and effect of women during the protest. To begin, and for those of you that are curious to know the roots of the protest, let's go back to October 2019. I know what you're thinking. October, Halloween, candy, horror. For Lebanon, however, finding an original costume was the least of anyone's worries that year. Don't get me wrong, the fear factor was there, but for completely different reasons. It all began with a shortage of US dollars. That meant that the Lebanese pound was only decreasing in value for the first time in the last two decades. Please keep in mind that Lebanon has one of the highest levels of public debt. At $86 billion, it is equivalent to more than 150% of gross domestic product. This led to strikes by importers of wheat and fuel who demanded to be paid in said dollars. On October 14th, wildfires spread through Lebanon's western mountains. This highlighted the incapacity of the Lebanese firefighters to tackle such an issue due to lack of funds. They ended up contacting neighboring countries for help. This left its people quite unimpressed. And then, six dollars. The last straw in the match had ignited the beginning of the demonstrations we are talking about today, when a proposed six dollars, or 4.60 pounds, monthly tax on WhatsApp voice calls was announced. And I know what you might be thinking, six dollars? That's what started a year-long protest and political turmoil? Well, the tax was scrapped, but the unrest escalated and demonstrators turned their focus to wider grievances with the government. Grievances such as the ongoing and widespread political corruption, growing economic disparity and the worsening social, environmental and economic conditions since October 17th. This caused hundreds of thousands of Lebanese people to take to the streets calling for change. People felt that uh, not only they're ruling the country and they're blind to people's suffering, but uh, they were also willing with their bodyguards to shoot at people until this full disregard. Now, of course, this builds on a lot of brewing anger for many, many years. And so really what sparked the protest is the fact that uh, uh, the Lebanese citizens had realized that they were governed by uh, mafia, a bunch of incompetent thieves, uh, and that it was no longer viable as a system. And so mm-hmm. something had to be done. You could hear it everywhere, on the news, from your bedroom window. I want to live, I want to breathe. I want my rights as a woman. I want electricity, water and infrastructure. I want a better country for my children. It was made clear throughout the protest that the Lebanese people did not simply want a resignation from the government. They wanted them to be held accountable for all the hunger, corruption and havoc they have caused. Now that we've established the base of the protest, let's go back to its women. Lebanese people are very familiar with protests, with a feeling of hate and betrayal towards their corrupt government. But this time, it was different. The people were drained, the protests were leaderless and the rage was overflowing. However, when women became the majority of the people on the streets, the protests soon became influenced with a sense of maternal and feminist power. 
and that took the wheel from there. Since Lebanon's independence from 1943, women have been struggling to shatter the unequal and sexist expectations of the Arab world. Ironically, Lebanon has been deemed and considered a pioneer in the Middle East when it came to women's rights and freedoms. I'm here to tell you that this is purely an illusion. I mean, sure, we can wear crop tops and shorts, we can go clubbing and not think twice about it, be able to drive and go out without the permission of a man, and we are very grateful for that, do not get me wrong. However, when we reach the ceiling of religious and political boundaries, there's no going past it. Religious courts are known to be systematically built to work against women and their rights. I think women play a very important, very important roles here in society. And I think that whenever things are structured and organized through the channels of the state or the religious institutions, uh, then because there's so much discrimination against us as women, we can't play those roles. Uh, so if you look at like sort of the personal laws, the divorce laws, the business laws, we're always discriminated against. And so when we try to make it through these official channels, we have a very hard time uh, making our marks. Mm -hmm. But what was great about the uprising is that that, that wasn't pre-programmed. So where you speak, how you speak, doesn't go through the channels of public governance. And so then, or society or religious law, which is all very discriminatory against women. And so that's where I think it was more possible for women to show that they were active and that they could play a role. The start of these mass protests and what would go on to be called the October Revolution saw Lebanese women's social and political participation skyrocket in unprecedented ways. It is important to understand that women played an essential role in the demands of this movement. Their demands included social, political and economic change and took the country by storm. For example, demands such as the ability for Lebanese mothers to pass the citizenship onto their children were something that resonated nationwide. I mean, how ironic, a woman can give life and not nationality. It gradually caused the protests to gain momentum. And this is where we move on to the events that occurred. Thousands of women came together with candlelit vigils and marched through Beirut's main streets in a way to emphasize their presence. We are here and we are not leaving. These incredible women also created human shields between security forces and demonstrators. For a movement that was leaderless, we saw how women employed many spaces. Let me tell you the story of a woman called Malak. Malak is a woman who kicked a minister's bodyguard in hopes of preventing him from shooting at civilians. Let's imagine the scene together, shall we? It's night time. All anyone could hear was the shuffling of an angry mob in front of an official building. Then emerges a man in a black t-shirt, presumably a bodyguard, holding a gun in his hand and shooting aimlessly in the air. He walks up to Malak, who instead of walking away, kicked him in the groin, forcing him to go a few steps back. This infamous kick became a symbol of the Lebanese revolution and labelled Malak as the kick queen. But it wasn't that simple in the moment. Malak stated, We were a small group. The Minister of Education's bodyguard walked towards us and started shooting in the air. I told him to fire at me. He kept moving forward. And in order to free myself, I hit him without thinking. It might have been better that he had killed me. It would have been really symbolic. This is the only way for things to change. The scene is both chaotic and clear. The video has been shared hundreds of times around the world and has even been used as a motivator and a logo for the revolution. By kicking this man where it hurts, she also destabilized the corrupt and patriarchal political system. Melek kept going to the protests every day after that and eventually got married on the streets of her country. 
As you can see, violence was not missing from the protests. Rubber bullets, tear gas, assault. They were all an everyday reality to the brave souls that went down onto the streets. This violence did not see gender. And so the women's marches made sure to focus on the rejection of brutality. Perhaps a way to differentiate itself from the moments of the civil war. You do not have to be violent to be powerful. The best thing about the protest when was, uh, about, was when we women uh, decided that we're going to start walking in neighborhoods where you're not supposed to go because of the lines of the civil war. And one day we went into Khanda al Ghani, which was the neighborhood where young men were coming in to, uh, uh, with orders to sort of attack the protesters and their tents in Beirut downtown. And one day we walked as women inside the neighborhood and people started coming on the windows and throwing rice at us. And I'm going to cry again. I cried that day because if you've lived the civil war and you've seen how the city's constructed as like divided and people can't talk to each other, it was just so amazing to see people really longing actually to talk to the other, to not accept the divide. And it took two hours of negotiation where we would go behind the guys to go in the neighborhood. And there was a whole row of men who were trying to prevent us from going. And he was very, getting very disturbed because I would tell him, I have cousins inside. I just want to go see them. And I had my daughter with me. She's young. So I would hold her hand and we'd go past him. And people would start infiltrating. And then they didn't know how to deal with us. They didn't want to talk to women. Uh, they were very overwhelmed by our presence, but eventually it was women from the neighborhood who went down and sort of said, no, we are going to walk them and who challenged them. And it was that moment where you felt that actually a conversation is totally possible and sustained effort can change things. And women are at the forefront of this because they tend to do more concessions, because they tend to have less of that sort of, I control the street and more, yes, why not? Let's try it. Arts played a huge role in the protests. In a country overflowing with undiscovered talent, it was used as a way to amplify its women's voices. Displays of statues, graffitis and flags were a way of remaining peaceful and united, all the while showing their intent and demands. In a way, art turned into a political weapon. Banners and murals were popping up everywhere in the city. Many female artists took it upon themselves to use this beautiful city of Beirut as their canvas. Music also played a big role. The national anthem that dates back to 1927 is not gender-friendly. It states that our fields and mountains produce men. I remember learning the national anthem in school, singing it every Wednesday and not thinking twice about it. Years later, during the revolution, female singers chanted the anthem, adding women to men. These were powerful moments symbolizing pride and feminism, as well as an eye-opening moment for young girls who never thought twice about questioning their national anthem and who now know that even words and songs have an effect in changing the sexist ideologies within our country. So what happened after? What did all of this do? And what did these women achieve? This woman-led protest has inspired more than just a fight against patriarchy. After the first few days of the protest, independent professionals as well as employees' groups started to take a leading role to fill in the gaps of an otherwise controlled political intervention towards syndicates and professionals across the country. A group of professional people, including university professors, journalists, engineers and doctors, started to organise themselves to play an important role in the movement. This group also contributed to the socio-economic discussions that were organized in the squares by providing accurate and credible information that helped shape and build the new policies and demands. 
there was a lot of stressing on the importance of the independence of the judiciary and an analysis of the laws proposed by the Lebanese parliament. Journalists were also inspired by the protests and formed an alternative association that defended their rights and freedoms. Lawyers joined in as well, as the Beirut Bar Association played a disappointing and regressive role in defending the detainees amongst the protesters. And hence, a group of independent lawyers took the initiative to defend those detainees. This group provided support and legal constitutional knowledge that enriched the discussions happening in different squares across the country and clarified the legal dimensions and measures that should be adopted. This was the first protest in which demands were studied beforehand and unanimously decided by everyone in the movement. Okay, look, I remember one of the things that really marked me uh, during the protests is that I started taking my uh, class first to Beirut downtown and I would run my classrooms in the open and people would come and join and the class would turn into a bigger conversation from city planning to how we would replan this space and we would start imagining it. And uh, then I started running every morning a class and inviting other people. And one of the things that I was very interested in is how do you do nonviolent protesting uh, and standing up. And one day we had invited someone uh, to do it and it was in the early hours and of the morning and there was a police, uh, a police, a group of policemen who were uh, touring the area and they came and they stopped and they started listening and then they engaged people who were sitting and among the people who were sitting that I didn't know were people who had been hit in the early hours of the morning by the police and there was a confrontation and they started talking together and the police would tell them we told you to move because we have orders we didn't want to hit you and the young men would tell them we told you come and join us and then you they started speaking not anymore about you and me but actually about us as the collective and how we share that space And that was extremely powerful. I never thought I would see something like this where people would sort of feel like the policemen moved their hats. They kind of like started wanting to be part of the group and the young guys were less aggressive. They were really like responding to them. So you could see the possibility of a communication and people sharing the pain that you live in the city. And I felt that uh, we had achieved an incredibly important uh, moment when we did that. And I think uh, in many moments during the protests, we felt that again. We felt that we were able to, outside the choreographed moments where, for example, young men would be sent from one neighborhood to downtown to hit people, those guys would come anyway and they would sit and I would have a conversation with them. And during those conversations, you could feel the lines passing. If you ask any Lebanese person, they would tell you that these protests have helped flip the stereotypical image of women within an Arab state of mind. Women's political representation was also addressed when six women were appointed to then Prime Minister Hassan Diab's cabinet in January 2020, an unprecedented event in the Arab world. However, critics have come forward stating that this was a cheap attempt to polish the cabinet's image rather than an implementation of systematic reform. I think that's the best thing about those protests. Uh, We were just coming out a year before from uh, national elections in which uh, one more time 
there were very few women who were elected. And what was also appalling in these elections is the fact that uh, there were uh, groups that were advocating for women to be involved in politics. And I recall one time where they wanted to take me to a studio for a shooting and put makeup and uh, teach me how to sit and how to talk. Mm. And I was just like looking at that woman and saying, my God, is this what it's about to mm. fight patriarchy? And so uh, in the protest, suddenly you saw women in politics. They were putting their ideas out. They were fighting with their bodies to stop the police force. They were organizing protests. They were putting out all sorts of forms of resistance. We were closing streets. We were speaking back to the army. We were organizing kitchens. And so there was no more that kind of uh, rigid form of doing politics in which you're then asked to conform uh, to very uh, limited patriarchal uh, ways in which we're asked to speak and hold ourselves and present mm -hmm. ourselves. In September of 2019, the Lebanese government approved the country's first national action plan, otherwise known as NAP, created by the UN Security Council Resolution on Women, Peace and Security, otherwise known as WPS. The NAP was an opportunity by the state to finally give attention to women's issues in Lebanon and take action upon them. The NAP was also in cooperation with the National Commission for Lebanese Women, NCLW, an official body which was meant to steer the NAP forward. On paper, these corporations should have achieved change in areas such as nationality law, child marriage, domestic violence and personal status code. Women's struggle and the fight against corruption is not over yet. The Lebanese people are determined that the unrest will not end until they receive non-secretarian elections, retrieve the looted money, hold the corrupt accountable and hopefully one day become a secular state. It is also worth mentioning that without emancipating society from clerical oppression, very little progress can happen for women's rights. Hope is not lost amongst the younger generations, both men and women. In fact, this revolution has witnessed the participation and birth of a new generation eager to see change in their country. I think the protests were really great in uh, demonstrating that the possibilities that existed out there for women to speak up and inspiring uh, other younger women to step up, to play a role, to uh, uh, in encouraging those who felt shy, who felt they had to uh, be careful in their own environment uh, to actually speak up. And one of the best moments I remember is somewhere uh, in the fall last year, there was a very big protest um, in front of the religious court, the Shiite religious court, because uh, there was a woman whose kid had been uh, um, taken by by the man and in Shiite religious courts uh, the the man has is entitled to take the, the the boy at the age of two so the religious law says according to the men who make it that uh, you you're supposed to nurse the child for two years and once he's two years the dad takes him and uh, and that's of course appalling and when we went to protest what was wonderful is, is there were many women and they looked uh, dressed in a hundred different ways, including women who were veiled and really covered up and observant clearly from conservative societies. And then they were screaming and asking for their rights. And I felt that this is spilling over. So it's not anymore just about the political mafia. People are seeing the structures of oppression against us as women and they're standing up to them. And I thought this was amazing. So I'm very hopeful 
Because I think that once you cross the line of fear, uh, that line of fear is very hard to rebuild. And we haven't achieved very far in building a political opposition, but we've really managed to break a lot of the walls of fear. In Lebanon, the voting age is 21. And yet, for the first time in a long time, younger generations have been able to make their voices heard without the need of a ballot. I mean, anytime the system doesn't work so well for you, you're more inclined to break it. And I think the system really works even worse for women. That's why there are hope that we can break lines. An iconic banner that was raised by one of the students at an off-campus protest says it all. On this day, I won't be learning history. I will be writing it.